Welcome to Built to Go, a van live podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 181, and we're going to talk about something that's only tangentially related to van life. It's going to be a very strange episode because we've got a mystery creature to identify, and I'd like your help. We'll also review a 150-watt inverter, which sounds small, but it has a very specific use that you might find great, and a place to visit that was a major historical thing that happened in the Philippines, but it's in Philadelphia. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm going to change the format a little bit this week. I'm going to save all the business-related stuff for after the main segment, and I'm thinking I'm going to do that going forward. So there will be thank yous, there will be corrections, but they're going to come after the main segment which starts now folks i have a mystery and it's a little bit tricky and it's only a little bit related to van life but i hope you'll indulge me because this is what kind of used to be my life we're going to enter the world of scientific skepticism which basically means that conclusions are drawn provisionally and changed when new evidence is presented that's basically all we're talking about here But sometimes the evidence you have is, well, controversial and ambiguous, and that is the case here. So the story is, my friend Hal, Lieutenant Colonel Hal Bidlack, PhD, U.S. Air Force, retired, has a ring cam set up. He's got actually several ring cams set up at his house in Colorado Springs, and he catches all manner of wildlife on these things. He's had deer give birth in his backyard. Uh, Raccoons visit all the time. Bobcats traipse through his yard. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. But a few days ago, he had an animal cross his driveway, and he immediately saw the animal and said, oh, look at this, and then showed his wife, and his wife said, well, that's not that. It's this. And so he posted it on Facebook to see what people thought. And uh, a war ensued. Not really a war, but people are adamant about what this animal is, and yet they all can't be right. Some of these people are wrong. Now, folks listening to the podcast version of this, this podcast involves talking about a video. So I'm going to describe it to you. But honestly, if you get a chance, you should watch the video. And the easiest way to do that is simply watch the video version of this podcast, which is linked in the show notes. But I will describe it to you as much as I possibly can. So in the video, it's night. It's about 3.40 a.m. And we see a driveway. To the right of the driveway is one of those big trash cans and a few utility things. It's, it's nothing unusual. It's just your basic suburban kind of landscape. But then from the left, we see this creature emerge. And it kind of runs very quickly up a small hill and then crosses the driveway at what can be only called a trot. and then passes in front of the trash can and behind the utility poles and then vanishes to the right. Now, I realize that's not enough information for anybody who's just hearing the audio description to be able to identify this animal, but I will describe some of its other characteristics. It's a long, four-legged animal. It appears to be tan in color. It has a long tail that some see as bushy and others see as thin. The tail appears to have a black tip. 
The animal appears to have what are called socks, four black socks on its feet. That is, its feet are black where its legs are tan. And it seems to have a smallish head. But we're talking about a security camera here. And this is very important. Security cameras distort things terribly for a number of reasons. For one thing, it's a wide-angle lens, a, a fisheye lens. That means things are distorted all over the place because it's trying to capture as much stuff as possible. Fish-angle lenses aren't for detail, they're for having the widest field of view, and that makes sense in a security situation. It's not great for identifying wildlife. Also, being that it's a security camera, it is using ultra-compressed video. And the type of compression it uses is the type where... Pixels are only updated on the screen when the device detects a change there. So any one frame of the video can be pixels that were recorded five seconds ago or just now or 20 seconds ago or whatever, you don't know. And that creates all kinds of strange artifacts. So we're dealing with imperfect, ambiguous data here. But the thing that's fascinating to me is how sure people are of what they're seeing. Now, folks watching the YouTube video, at this point, I would like to know what you think you see. And go ahead and put in the comments what you see at this point. And so for the benefit of people who can't see the video, uh, some people think it's a mountain lion. And other people think it's a fox. Now, the curious thing about that is that foxes and mountain lions don't really look that much alike. I mean, well, they kind of do, I guess. They both have four legs, they both have a tail, they both have ears that stick up. They're both sort of a tannish, reddish color that could look the same under security camera lighting. And they're both found at night, and they're both found in Colorado Springs. So, why are people so sure it's one or the other? It's, it's fascinating the answers they give. Here are some of the arguments for the folks who say it's a fox. They say it walks in a way that's not cat-like. It, it, it it's a, a trot. The best way I can describe it is a trot. It's not technically a trot in the way horses trot, where they lift their feet real high. But it, it looks like a trot to me. So foxes do that. Cats don't, according to the fox proponents. So that's one clue. Another thing is that foxes have black feet, and big cats don't. And it looks like there are black feet in this video. Okay, another one for Team Fox. Also, foxes are more common than mountain lions. You're more likely to see a fox in your yard than a mountain lion. And there's the old adage that when you hear hoofbeats, think horses. So when you see a tannish four-legged animal cross your driveway, you should probably think foxes first. So, that settles it, right? It's a fox. Eh, uh, well, no. <laughs> because the people who think it's a large cat say, it walks like a cat. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating. We, we have people, all of whom own cats. I actually sent this video to hundreds of people and got all kinds of responses. And I asked if they own cats or not. It didn't matter whether you chose fox or cat doesn't matter if you owned a cat or not so that wasn't it but there are people who swear cats don't walk like this and foxes do and people who swear this is exactly how a cat walks so i don't know it appears to be larger than a fox but it also appears to be smaller than a cougar so we know that cougars grow and they start off as little kittens and then they grow bigger so that's an argument in favor of cougar because you're much more likely to see a juvenile cougar than a monstrous sized fox also, and this is interesting, the cougar people say that the tail of the cougar has 
a black tip at the end, as does the animal we see in the video. Whereas red foxes, the common kind of fox in the United States, has a very white, bushy tip. And this animal clearly doesn't have that. However, there is an animal called the gray fox, which is less common, but found in Colorado, that does indeed have a black tip on its tail. So that sort of says, okay, maybe it's Team Fox again, except that they're an animal that is still on the smallish side. And then you're talking about an animal that's maybe even more rare than mountain lions or somewhere in the ballpark. They're not anywhere near as common as red foxes. So what do we do with this? We have people seeing this video and being absolutely sure that the other side is wrong. And honestly, it reminds me very much of the blue, black, white, gold dress thing. Do you remember that? It was almost 10 years ago now. This woman was going to a wedding and wanted a dress to wear. It's, it's, that's how I remember it anyway. I could be wrong. And took this picture of the dress and sent it and said, what do you think of this blue and black dress? And the person she sent it to said, did you send me the wrong dress? This is clearly white and gold. And this was quite the internet phenomenon. But I don't know that people actually followed up on, on what was going on here. So we had people looking at a dress that was blue and black or white and gold, and everybody thought the other side was crazy or lying to them. I know for me, when I first encountered this, my wife showed it to me and said, what color is this dress? And I said, it's black and blue? I mean, what kind of a question is that? It's obviously black and blue. And she said, are you in on the joke? Because she saw white and gold. Now, I'm in a little bit of a privileged position here because I'm one of the very few people who saw the dress both as black and blue and white and gold. I had it up on my screen, I was doing research on it, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw it change from black and blue to white and gold. And I thought, oh, this is some kind of crazy animated GIF that changes every 30 seconds or something. But no, it wasn't. What was going on with the black, blue, white, gold dress is that we were receiving ambiguous information. The truth is, you don't see with your eyes. Your eyes take in data and your brain interprets it. And when that data isn't perfect, there's something wrong with it. Your brain takes its best guess based on whatever. Based on your experience, based on your particular brain anatomy, based on what kind of sandwich you had, I don't know. It seems to be fairly random who saw white and gold and black and blue. Now, as it turns out, we know the dress was black and blue. We know that not because the black and blue people were right or anything like that. We know that because they tracked down the dress manufacturer and they didn't make a white and gold dress. They made several colors, but they did make black and blue. They didn't make white and gold. Of course, now it's been copied and you can indeed buy the white and gold dress. In fact, there's a Halloween costume that's half and half just to screw with people. What concerns me about this, though, is people have missed the opportunity here to understand how very, very different people perceive the world. And they just chalked it up as to some internet thing, haha, stupid joke, whatever. But it wasn't. It was a very concrete example of how people can see, quote unquote, see the same thing but actually experience something totally different. And I think we're running into that same phenomenon here with the mystery animal. Now you're probably wondering what I think the animal is. And I think it is a mountain lion. I do. I, I looked at the video a hundred times maybe. The very first few frames, the animal is, is kind of trotting up a hill and it does have a movement like a fox in those frames. But once it gets to the middle of the screen, 
it appears very cat-like to me, and honestly, it looks just like the way my cats walk when I open a can of cat food. <laughs> it looks exactly the same to me. And yet, people I respect and people I know are experienced with foxes and mountain lions will say the exact opposite. Fascinating. So how do we get to the answer? What animal was that? Well, we're not going to get to it by internet people analyzing this video and saying it's this, it's that, and then arguing that I'm the expert here because I've seen these animals. In the that isn't going to do it. We actually will need an expert in video analysis of animals, maybe some corroboration. Did other cameras in the neighborhood catch it? Did, were there eyewitnesses? Did people see it? Can anyone find tracks, etc.? More evidence. That's what we need, and I don't know that we're going to get it. I mean, you know, mountain lions are not that uncommon in Colorado Springs. It's certainly not newsworthy, I don't think. I thought this was an interesting thing to observe, and I invite you to engage in the debate, too. I mean, you've got access to the video now. You can see. And thanks very much to Hal for letting me share that with you. I've also included in the video version of this podcast a picture that shows measurements in inches, sorry, international folks, of all the objects. And if you want to try to do the math and come up with how long the animal is, you are more than welcome to. Anyway, what does this have to do with van life? Well, nothing directly, but it has to do with life. As you travel around the world, you are going to see and experience things differently than other people simply because of the experiences and different anatomy that you have. And you have to be okay with that. I think the big secret of this whole thing is not to dismiss the people that disagree with you, but to try to figure out what the truth is. So I am on, as I'm calling it, Team Mercury, because Mercury's advertisement, the motor car company that doesn't exist anymore, Mercury's advertisement was the sign of the cat. And in the 70s, they had these ads with a mountain lion on the fence. All right, I'm old. I'm old, okay? Anyway, I'm on Team Cat, but I don't think the Team Fox people are wrong, per se. I think they're going through the same exact thing I am. They're just coming to a different conclusion. The fact is, it's ambiguous. We don't know for sure. And doubling down on your absolute surety on something that's ambiguous isn't a great strategy. I think you're going to lead a much happier and much more interesting life if you ask questions first and draw conclusions later. And I just might have a sticker <laughs> that shows that idea. <laughs> and if you visit buymeacoffee.com slash built to go and you want one of these stickers, make a donation, send me your address, and I will send you one of these stickers if you live in the U.S. or Canada. How's that for a segue, huh? That was as good a segue as any two-wheeled vehicle with people wobbling on it could ever be. There you go, folks. I know it's a little bit of a departure, but I thought it was kind of interesting and it was stuck in the back of my head and honestly, it was interfering with me being able to prepare for this podcast. So now it's out of my system and now we can get back to business. <laughs> okay, speaking of business, let's talk about the business stuff. First, a big thank you to people who have bought me a gallon of diesel, Kent, Karen, Lance, and Kent. Kent again. Kent, you are our regular. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you to all of you. If you are interested in supporting this program, podcast, video, whatever, go ahead and go to buymeacoffee.com slash built to go and you can buy me a gallon or two of diesel and I will 
totally appreciate that. Because of this, there are no ads on the podcast version of this show, and I, I really like that. And I hope to actually get someday where I can do that with YouTube, but I'm not quite there yet. So thank you guys. Now, before we continue, I have to bring up a correction that was sent to me, and I, I thought it was very important. This was uh, from a gentleman by the name of Brian, and I'm just going to read the email he sent because he, he summed it up very nicely. And it's about tire rotation. If you remember in episode 179, I talked about tire rotation and I equated it to a money problem. Do you want to spend the money to rotate your tires or do you just want to replace them when they need replacing, which is the better proposition? And I basically came out in favor of not rotating your tires. I missed some stuff that was very important. So here's what Brian says. Hello, just wanted to bring up some info regarding episode 179. The info you provided was almost good. However, very important variables weren't mentioned. First of all, price. America's Discount Tire, a store that I don't have near me, but I, I've hear, heard good things about them, across many states do free tire rotation as well as free flat repair. Also, the price of some tires, such as my mud terrains, are $300 each, and I would rather buy all at the same time, as they are more effective in off-road situations when all four tires have uniform wear. The next major variable you didn't mention was four-wheel drive vans that have solid axles will be more prone to death wobble if tires are not rotated. Death wobble can put excessive stress on shocks, steering stabilizers, ball joints, and can even cause a major accident. Last topic I thought of as I listened to this episode was all-wheel drive, such as my van. Now, Side note here, four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive are actually very different things, and I should probably talk about that in a future episode here. But in this regard, four-wheel drive is kind of old-fashioned, kind of you have a transfer case that you shift into, like an Econo line that has a four-by-four kit put on it, not like a Ford Transit with all-wheel drive. All four wheels move, but in different ways. Anyway, the transfer case on an all-wheel drive is happier when all tires are the exact same size and wear. Differences in tire diameter will cause friction and can lead to premature failure of the clutches within the transfer case. Please consider promoting tire rotation, as it not only might save damage to the vehicle, but also may prevent an accident. Doing tire rotations is also a great time to inspect for nails or screws. All right. I don't disagree with anything he said. I completely didn't think of that aspect of things is that, yeah, four-wheel drive vehicles and even all-wheel drive vehicles, there's a lot going on there that's different than a two-wheel drive vehicle. And if your tires are different widths, it can affect how the vehicle handles. This is very dangerous. So if you have a discount tire near you and they can work on your van, this might be a great option. Anyway, thank you, Brian, for bringing that up. I'm sorry I didn't mention it in the original piece. I'm always, always happy to add more information as it comes. <laughs> Product review. I've been getting a lot of email lately about try our product, make a YouTube video. I, mean, I, I get like five or six a day now. I mean, I am not major influencer dude here, but it doesn't matter. I've gotten on some chain list of people and I, holy cow. So my standard response to all these folks is if you send me your product and it relates to my audience, I will review it. And so that maybe one out of 10 is doing that. Most of them just like, oh, no, you have to buy the product and we'll reimburse you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not really willing to play that game. But anyway, in the mail last week, I received 
an inverter. <laughs> That's a nice thing, right? This inverter, though, is probably not what you're thinking. This is a 150-watt inverter. That is tiny. This is a little tiny inverter. You're not going to be making coffee with this thing. This inverter is for one, well, it's not for one specific thing, but it's very useful for one specific thing, and that is charging laptops. Now, a lot of laptops these days can charge USB-C, but a lot can't. I just bought a gaming laptop that can do both. My Mac does USB-C, but my older laptops use 19.2 volts to charge. And this is a problem because in your van, you've got 110 if you have a big inverter and you've got 12 volts, obviously from the battery. But what if you don't have a big inverter, how do you actually charge your laptop in your van if it needs 19.2 volts? Well, the answer is, is an inverter. But maybe you don't want to spend a few hundred bucks and install this big inverter. Well, that's where this thing comes in. At 150 watts, it can handle most laptop PC charger bricks. And here's the big thing. This is the most important part of this whole thing. This thing costs less than 20 bucks. I mean, it retails for 25. It seems to always be on sale. Right now, I think it's going for $18. So you can think of it as an $18 adapter to charge your laptop. Now, the name of the one they sent me is Pissfau. I didn't make that up. P-I-S-F-A-U, Pissfau. And I tried it out for a weekend and it works great. It does everything they say. It has two USB ports. Unfortunately, the USB ports are a little bit old. One is a 2.1 amp and one is a 1.0 amp. And so while they'll work, they're not gonna be fast charging anything. But the inverter part was absolutely fine. I was able to charge and run my gaming laptop with it. So if you have the situation where you have need for just a little bit of AC power, this thing might work perfectly. I was also able to charge my drill batteries with it. And I think for any kind of a charging application, this thing's gonna work just great. Now, what are the negatives? One negative is that it can get very hot and that's kind of true for all inverters. This one though does have a built-in fan and while I was using it, it did not get excessively hot. Like it wasn't gonna melt the port or anything like that. So eh, that's okay. Also, there's the question of whether it's sine wave or not. Uh, I don't know. I do not think it's pure sine wave. I think it may even be just square wave. It might not even be modified square wave. For those new to inverters, you want pure sine wave. That's a sine wave is like this. I'm, I'm, for podcast folks, I'm doing a sine wave with my finger. So, <laughs> And that's the kind of power you have in a household. For inverters, it's cheaper and easier to do square wave, which is sudden jumps. It looks, It's got right angles in the wave. I think this uses that. So there's some controversy over that, whether that's going to damage your equipment. In my experience, using a square wave inverter, and I've done so for maybe 15 years now at this point, to charge electronics is fine because the power is conditioned by the brick. If you're using anything with a brick, that brick conditions the power. And if you read on there, you'll see it, it has wide ranges of voltages it can handle. It is taking in basically dirty power and sending out DC. So whether the power coming in is AC, is dirty AC, it doesn't matter because it's outputting DC. Anyway, that's my argument. Other people argue that, yeah, you're gonna destroy it. You wouldn't destroy your computer, you would destroy your brick. That would be the risk. But I, I have never had that happen in all my years using cheap inverters like this. So anyway, I did make a video. That was what they asked for for sending to me. But they asked for a very 
particular video, not a review. They just wanted kind of a two-minute introduction to the thing. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> there are no lies in there. It's just what it is. So you can watch that video if you want to see it. Again, it's the Pissfow 150-watt inverter. A great little solution if you just need a little inverter that plugs into a cigarette lighter socket. A place to visit. I went to this place a while ago and it's still on my mind. And that is the Philadelphia Seaport Museum, which is right on the river in Philadelphia. They have a number of vessels there, but the one I am most interested in is the USS Olympia. That is USS Olympia C6. C being cruiser and six being the sixth hull used. And it was built in 1895. It is the oldest steel warships still afloat according to them I, I i didn't verify that but i have no reason to doubt them this is the ship that sailed into manila and completely eliminated the spanish navy with some help from its friends and uh, admiral dewey stood on the deck and watched the spanish navy sink it's that ship in fact on the deck of the ship there are brass footprints where you can stand right where dewey stood <laughs> you also get to see dewey's toilet because hey you want to keep it real Anyway, touring the ship, I'd like to tour ships. That is a thing I do. I've toured all kinds of ships. But touring the ship was particularly interesting because it's a warship. And yet when you get on board, it's kind of fancy. It's a completely different experience than exploring, say, a World War II warship. There's woodworking everywhere. There are these beautiful windows. I mean, it, it's more like a cruise ship. And no, that's not where the word cruiser comes from. <laughs> What's fascinating is that when you go into these fancy cabins, like, you know, there's this fancy ward room for the officers, and there's all this stuff in there, and then you look at it, and you start to realize it all comes apart, and what would happen is when they engaged in warfare, men would run in and tear down all the fancy stuff and install massive guns that would just stick out the side from the ward room. So you have fancy boardroom, table, leather chairs, and then a massive gun. <laughs> Very... Uh, practical or not depending on how you look at it this was the flagship of the navy at the time this is where the admiral was and anyway it's a really interesting space to be in and i'm concerned that this ship is going to be scrapped not because people don't want to save it but because it's that old and it costs that much money to keep these things afloat that i think at some point they might just decide it's not worth it so if you have a chance to see it if you're in philadelphia go see it and then also go see the ss united states which is docked nearby go see the ss bakuna a submarine that you can tour that's always fun and then there's this restaurant on an old sailing vessel that has the, a fascinating bar i had a great time talking to the bartender there you go into the ship and the ship is curved because ships are curved that's how it is that's old wooden ships didn't have flat floors they were curved and you have to walk uphill to get to the bar and then after you have your drinks and want dinner you want walk back downhill to the dining room it's just an interesting space to be in so i have a link in the show notes it's not hard to find it's the philly seaport museum in philadelphia great place to spend a day exploring our nautical heritage and just some really interesting spaces to be in Tech Talk. Real quick Tech Talk here. I ran into this weird problem. Um, I have two of those all-in-one quote-unquote solar generators, and I've talked about them a lot. One's in a want fee, one is a whack-a-me. Who knows what that means? 
but I've been charging them solar lately. In fact, I did a whole episode on, on charging these things with solar. And I charge them solar through the Anderson connectors on these things. Anderson connectors are a very good, very common connector. They come in different sizes, but they're easy to see because you have two visible things to plug in. One's red, one's black. That's e the easiest way to tell what an Anderson connector is. But annoyingly and bizarrely, my two power stations have the red and black on different sides. They're reversed. And these Anderson connectors aren't like lightning or USB-C where you can flip the cable and it doesn't matter. The cable has to go in only one way. So basically I need to buy different adapters for both of them, even though they're both Anderson connectors, except that I don't because Anderson connectors can come apart. This is an interesting thing about Anderson connectors. If you build them yourself, you learn this very quickly, but they're not one plug, they're two that snap together like Legos. So you've got the red one for positive, the black one for ground, or earth, as they say in many parts of the world. If you want to switch them, you can slide them apart and move them over and snap them back together. It's that easy, and I figured that out after a while. It's still annoying that I have to do this. I don't know what's up with these manufacturers swapping them. You'd think there would be some standard, like say, hey, let's do red on the right or something like that, or, or I don't know, but they did it totally differently. At least now I don't have to buy other adapters. So Anderson connectors, I love. They're a very robust connector. They're fairly easy to install yourself. And um, honestly, I have a plan to install a bunch in my van and stop using the 12 volt cigarette lighter outlets because those things are horrible. But if you're going to mess with these things, understand that if it's backwards for you, you can undo them and just put them together the other way. It's a nice little thing. Resource recommendation. So if you're an Apple fanboy, I mean, I, I'm not a fanboy, but I do use Apple products. Recent news as of yesterday, which wasn't any surprise to those of us who follow this stuff, is that the lightning port, that is the quote unquote normal port that iPhones have used for years, is going away. And this is because the European Union demanded it, basically. The European Union passed a law that says electronics have to use USB-C, which is fairly controversial, but that's the law. iPhone needs to be in that market. So rather than make a European iPhone and an American iPhone or whatever, all iPhones now are going to use USB-C as well as AirPods and basically everything Apple makes that needs to be charged like that is going to have USB-C now. Well, that creates a problem for those of us who have iPhones and AirPods and whatever that use the lightning charger. We're going to be in this limbo where we're going to have to have both kinds of cables, and we're already in that limbo. I mean, it's cable hell right now. I have a link in the show notes to Amazon that lists a whole bunch of ways to solve this problem. And these are adapters. I've used a whole bunch of them. For a while, my idea has been, since USB-C seems to be the thing that's going to stay, I'm only going to buy USB-C cables and I'm going to adapt them if I need to plug them into something that's not USB-C. So there's a now a number of USB-C to lightning adapters. And I can tell you up front, a lot of them are garbage. 
first off, do not buy those multi-cables, one that has USB that plugs in, and then there's three cables that come out of it, one for Lightning, one for USB-C, and usually one for micro-USB. I have bought many of those. In fact, I've recommended them on the show. I'm, I'm sorry. They work great for a week, and then they stop working, especially on the Lightning port. Actually, only. The Lightning port is what fails. That is not a good solution. Also, the hard adapters where it's just a piece of plastic and you plug it into your phone and then you plug the cable into the phone those aren't great either because they create this big cantilever that can damage the port basically you're making a long hard thing that's stuck in the port and that gives a lot of leverage that can you know make you just break the port or break the plug the things that work the best there are two that i like one is a right angle adapter where the lightning port goes into your phone and then it bends and then the USB-C goes in there. That changes the cantilever to a stronger angle and I think they're a little bit safer. And then my personal favorite are these little tiny three inch cords that plug into your phone and then have a female USB-C and you plug that in and you've got maximum flexibility. It's bigger so it's easier to find when you need it and Five years from now, when we're all done with lightning, maybe <laughs> you can just get rid of the adapters and keep all your USB-C cords. Anyway, it's a problem that many of us are going to have to deal with. Those of you who are in the Android world are like, <laughs> Apple, we've been using USB-C for years. Yeah, that is definitely an advantage of Android at this point. I still have to carry a mini USB port charger for my GoPro 3. I have to carry micro USB chargers for all sorts of things. So, I mean, it's still going to be cable hell for a while. But you got to start somewhere. And now is the time to only buy USB-C cables and adapt them. At least that's my take on things. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to episode 181. Music is by Simon Wagg, as always. I am going to review this thing coming up in the future. It is Alien Tape. You may have seen this advertised. I'm doing a long-term study of this stuff. It's weird, but I actually think it might be good. So that'll probably be two episodes from now. But until then, remember the words of Dean Kuntz, who said, Holy men tell us life is a mystery. They embrace that concept happily. But some mysteries bite and bark and come to get you in the dark.